Broadcasting from Orchard Park, New York, it's the Midnight Freight Broker Podcast. Whether it's breaking news, tips to increase your business, or just some good old sports talk, this podcast is all about having a conversation about the world of freight. I'm your host, Nate Cross. Let's talk freight. All right, Midnight Freight Broker Nation, welcome back for episode 36. I can't believe it's been 36 episodes already. But hey, we're living in a crazy time here. Obviously, the last couple of months, our country and our world has been slammed hard and slapped in the face with a leather glove with this entire COVID-19 coronavirus pandemic that we've all been dealing with. So today's episode, I'm going to focus mostly on the broker bashing that we've seen happening left and right over the last couple of months. Obviously, when people get pissed off, you get backed into a corner people start getting really, really angry and saying some bad things. So I want to talk about, as a freight broker, looking through the lens of a freight broker, what can you do to handle this kind of situation, right? Carriers are pissed off. You've got a lot of people that are really angry about the rates. It's it's hit the national administrative level with the president and Trump, which is actually an article that I'm going to hit on today. Um, you know, He made his comments after his tweet last week. So let's get right into it, okay? So... The, uh, the article I want to hit on today is from, who is this from? Fox Business. Yes. First time ever hitting up an article from Fox Business. Usually I pull from Freight Waves or some other good transportation-focused uh, news sites, but obviously the transportation industry has been hit so hard that it's national news at this point. It's not just whether or not you're a 3PL or a transportation or or logistics type of uh, minded person. This is hitting everybody on the national level. So this article from Fox Business is titled, Trump says truckers are price gouged as shipping rates plunge. So if you remember last week, I talked about that tweet that Trump made. He gave a shout out to the truckers and said that, it will all work out basically. So another one of my points though, was that I think that President Trump may not fully understand the brokerage process and how things work out. Um, you know, the, the entire A to B, you know, getting everything from the shipper all the way to the final destination, all the things that go into that and what causes the market to change. Um, but he still is going to address all of this natu- you know, naturally because it's a big issue in his country right now. So I want to read a couple quotes from the article, and then I'm going to give you my take on all of it. So the article says, during an interview with Fox and Friends on Friday, this would be last Friday, Trump said truckers are price gouged, referring to complaints that brokers may be tampering with the price transactions they set up between truck drivers and shippers. All they want is to be treated fairly, Trump said, and we're going to treat them fairly. What they're asking is almost nothing in many cases. We're going to take care of them. Um, There's another portion in here that I want to get to in a second, but first I want to address this. Um, He said, what they're asking is almost nothing in many cases. We're going to take care of them. So I think, you know, regardless of politics and where you stand as far as your support for the left or the right or Donald Trump or whatever, um, I will say that, you know, personally, I am a Trump supporter. I do, you know, I lean right in a lot of political things. Uh, but I also will admit that Donald Trump does say a lot of things that he may not be fully educated on and he might not, you know, probably shouldn't have said it. There's a lot of times that I hear him say something and I'm like, yeah, you know, that you're, you're speaking for the people. And there's a lot of other times that he'll say something and I'm like, 
yeah, probably wouldn't have said that because then when questions start getting, you know, asked and all that good stuff, he's not going to have the answer. Sometimes I think he should leave certain questioning and interviews and statements to those that are professionals in that specific environment. For example, and not to take a total left turn here, but look at the coronavirus pandemic right now. There's a lot of heat and fire coming down on Anthony Fauci because he says this and then he says that and people think he's involved in some conspiracy and you know the rabbit hole goes as deep as you want to believe it goes. But overall, as a professional in the science and healthcare and you know, physician type of world that Fauci is bred for and what he's really good at. His job is to advise the people and the president and the administration and answer questions on how does, you know, what are the risks associated with reopening and how does, you know, making this decision or this action right here, how does that affect our national health and what are the risks, right? So when it comes to reopening the country, He's probably not the expert when it comes to the economy-focused part of it, right? If you want to know what will happen to the economy if we do this, you don't want to ask Dr. Anthony Fauci. You want to ask the economic professionals in the world. Just like if you want to know what are the health risks and concerns with opening the country and limiting social distancing and opening certain facilities back up, you're not going to ask an economist. You're going to ask Anthony Fauci. Fauci's job is to make sure that he is giving the correct guidance and uh, focused information regarding health concerns when those questions are coming out. Just like an economist's job is to give the economic standpoint of those same types of situations. So, And then it's our politician's job to take all of that advice and guidance and formulate their plan to mitigate risk and make the best decision possible to reopen the economy and to reopen the country, essentially. So back to what Trump was saying. He said, Truckers are asking for almost nothing in many cases, but we're going to take care of them. Um, that's a very broad statement. I think that anyone in their clear mind can tell that he doesn't have a whole lot of information on it. Uh, but I do believe that there will be some sort of assistance or help given to the transportation industry, especially these drivers and owner operators that may not have fallen into the categories of workers or employed personnel in the past that have been subject to a lot of the stimulus packages. Uh, and I, I think they just asked for like another couple trillion dollars the other day um, for multiple waves of economic help. Uh, and I'll get to that in a second. The article continues on to say that an industry representative told Fox Business, Fox Business's Blake Berman on Friday that the White House is fully aware of the shipping rate issue and that the administration has already helped out in other ways. For example, it provided personal protective equipment to drivers at rest stops throughout the U.S., as previously reported by Fox Business, a record number of U.S. job losses in April, the truck transportation sector suffered 88,300 lost positions. So that's eye-opening. First of all, giving PPE, that's personal protective equipments, i.e. face masks, gloves, hand sanitizer, stuff like that, giving that to drivers is not putting money back in their pockets and letting them feed their family. All right. So the the whole thing here with we're going to take care of them and we've helped out with PPE and there's all these job losses. Um, I do think that Donald Trump will take care of them and the country will take care of truckers. But I will tell you that there's no stimulus and there's no regulation when it comes to broker rates and margins and stuff like that that's going to solve all this. The one thing, in my personal opinion, that is going to solve all of this is to get America back open. All right, we've seen all these phases, right? So 
when a certain, so for example, let's take a look at New York state. Cause this is where I live and starting tomorrow or today, if you're listening to this on Friday, the, the 15th of May, there are four out of 10 regions of New York state that are starting to reopen. All right. Buffalo is part of Western New York, which is not one of those 10 regions. Um, but essentially there are seven different categories that they're measuring metrics on to see, you know, is the risk mitigated? Are things heading in the right direction? If so, based on that region, you can start to reopen in phases. So some of the things they look at is new hospitalizations, total hospitalizations, total cases, new cases, uh, testing numbers, uh, available capacity for intensive care units in hospitals if they have beds available, if there's an influx, okay? Obviously, when you shut down a country during a pandemic, whenever you reopen, whether it's today or a year from now, you're going to have a second wave that's already been proven. And we've had the stats from Fauci and other professionals in the industry. You're going to have a second wave. People have been hiding in their houses, some people at least. So when everyone gets back out in public, you're going to have another surge. It's inevitable. You can't get rid of it. All right. Unless you came out with the vaccine, which there may or may not even be a vaccine. It's possible. Look at the look at your own research on that. But let's say a year from now, a vaccine comes out, Right. How long will it take to vaccinate everybody before you just let everyone back out in the wild, assuming that vaccine is 100% accurate and everybody in the world gets it? You think we're going to wait one, two plus years to reopen the world? There's not a chance, right? Just like when you go to war, okay? When you go to war, if you were to ask a medical professional, what is the best way to mitigate risk and reduce deaths in this instance, that person would say, well, don't go to war. Well, obviously, that's their job is to give that kind of input. Now, if you were to ask a general, what's the best way to mitigate risk and reduce you know, casualties and stuff like that, he'd give you a more tactical version that assumes risk in certain areas, but also understands that you know, there's a most deadly course of action, a most probable course of action, and you know, there's all there's all different courses of action that you can take that have different levels of risk and different outcomes. But as a country, as an administration, that is our leader's job is to decide what level of risk is acceptable to get our country back on its feet. Okay. Um, anyway, I kind of went on a tangent there, but my, my whole big takeaway here is, um, you know, we're going to start reopening and we're going to start seeing these phases and different States are already doing it, uh, back to the phases. So for example, phase one, you'll see they're going to allow gatherings of up to 10 people and certain manufacturing jobs and other essential services that were not on the, you know, the hard cut list months ago are going to be able to reopen. And then if you've got an additional 14 days or two weeks or whatever metrics they're going to use to test this out, if your stats are staying consistent and you're not seeing an influx, that's not, you know, capable of being handled by the healthcare system, you'll enter phase two. You can increase to a higher number, maybe 50 people in a public setting. And then non-essential services like um, elective surgeries or dentist appointments, or, you know, maybe it's bars and restaurants or haircutting, stuff like that is reopened. Another 14 days, two weeks goes by, then you're going to be into phase three. You can have over 50 people, maybe up to 100 or 500, whatever your state says, right? The White House has its own federal guidelines and their plan that they've released. And you can actually see that by, by going to the White House's website, but every state has their own additional plan. That's why we are a nation of 50 50 independent states, right? States also do have their power. And there is an argument to be made that this whole chaos right now has to do with states not wanting to give up their rights. But, you know, 
that's not necessarily a topic that I need to be discussing on a transportation podcast. So we'll leave that to, uh, to somebody else. Okay. Um, maybe Ben Shapiro can take that one on. Okay. Anyway, the overall thing here is best way to get through the price gouging, if you want to call it that, or the, the crappy rates is to reopen the country. Okay. So make sure you check out your local area and your state's guidelines on what they're planning to do. If you're living in Florida or South Carolina, you're probably listening to this podcast right now saying, Nate, we're already open. Beaches are there. Restaurants are open. We're good to go. Well, God bless you. That's amazing. Unfortunately, in New York State, I am still locked down in the house here. So that being said, let's get into the topic on how to handle all of this broker bashing. So that article gave a good introduction to all the things that are going on as far as, you know, the rates are being called uh, gouging by carriers. And if you go to any social media source, um, you'll see people are given specific examples of rates and stuff like that. It's getting pretty ugly out there. There's always been a disparity between carriers and brokers. Um, it's been a love-hate relationship, and I think I said at the end of 2019 in an episode that if I could have see one change in 2020, it'd be to wipe the slate clean, and we'll all start fresh, and we'll all love each other because brokers need carriers, carriers need brokers. We all need each other. All right, so handling the broker bashing. First of all, what is being said? I think everybody knows what is being said. You can simply log into Facebook or LinkedIn or Twitter or Instagram, or apparently there's all these new ones out there like TikTok and all all the crap. Um, it's simple, right? Carriers are saying that brokers are lowballing them, right? Taking advantage of them. The rates are too low, right? Then you look at brokers. Brokers are fighting back saying, no, carriers are simply making excuses, Right. They decided two years ago that they wanted to buy up a ton of Class A trucks and increase this capacity and ride this wave of increased freight because the Trump administration helped boost the economy and shipping volumes are way up. Look at the cast index. You'll see all this stuff. So now that things take a downturn because of a, a pandemic in the world, they're just making excuses. This is what brokers are saying, right? Carriers are making excuses because they took the risk to take on debt, to buy more trucks, to increase their business, to hire on additional people when they didn't have the money to do so. And now they can't handle it when their business has a downturn. Okay. There's all kinds of different points of view out here and things. People are saying all kinds of different stuff. So we know what's being said. It's, uh, it's getting you know, very, very ugly out there. Um, I want to, you know, I challenge you to take a look at any other situation and try to compare it to that. So let's compare freight brokerage to other markets. For example, buying a car. Let's say you're in the market for something new, right? Or let's actually, let's go with used, okay? Because this is great. So you've got the dealership and you've got you buying the vehicle. Now, before the dealership can give you that vehicle, they've got to purchase that vehicle, whether it's from trade-in or auction, whatever. So they have... You know, there's there's the three entities there. The person selling it to the dealership, the dealership, and then you as the actual purchasing entity. So just like carriers are complaining about rates when it comes to brokers, think about yourself as a buyer buying a vehicle from a car lot. Don't you think it would be in your best interest to do your research, figure out what the actual fair market value of that vehicle is, because that can change just like anything in the economy can change, right? You could have an increase in demand or a decrease in supply or maybe a recall, right? Uh, all these things can affect the price. So 
as a buyer, it is your responsibility to know that you are paying a fair price. So if you went and paid $3,000 too much to buy that vehicle, are you going to blame the dealership and say, they overcharged me, you know, they bent me over and they smacked me left and right with this extremely overpriced car? Nobody put a gun to your head and told you you had to buy that vehicle. You wanted it. You wanted it. And you needed it, apparently, so bad that you overpaid for it. And you're going to go ahead and blame the car dealership on that. Okay, now I get it. As a truck driver, you have to be moving freight to make money. Okay, there are other ways to diversify your business style and things like that. At least an argument is able to be made upon that in order to adapt to times like right now. So, for example, maybe it's time to start looking at partials or something like that. Uh, maybe you want to get into a creative problem solving solution where you know you can't find enough freight to cover you know enough truckloads for your fleet, something like that. Maybe you want to start looking at small LTL size or partial type type shipments throughout the country, get a good logistician in there to, to figure out the best way to route those, get them all on the truck so they load and unload properly on time at a good fair rate. There, there's ways to adapt. Like I'm saying, there's there's no perfect answer here. There's going to be a, a, def, a decrease in business and all that bad stuff, but um, just try to think smartly here. Okay, but that's, that's a car buying um, example. Look at the real estate market. Same with buying a house, right? House prices go up and they go down based on um, the economic factors such as consumer confidence and look at a certain neighborhood. What's the crime rate look like? Um, you know, who built a house next to you and what did that house cost and what is it worth and you know what did it or what did it just sell for and stuff like that. So there's all kinds of factors that go in. You can't always just blame one person, but I get it. People want to point the finger. They don't want to take blame themselves. Uh, for example. If I was a carrier and I bought up 10 trucks two years ago because I was all excited and the economy took a turn, shipping rates or shipping volumes went down and now I'm getting hit hard. Am I going to be pissed at brokers? Well, I'm going to be pissed at somebody, but realistically, I should say I probably shouldn't have bought all of those vehicles on debt or if I was smart, I'd probably say, well, good thing I bought all those vehicles with cash because my business was ready to grow and I grew it at the speed of cash. Therefore, when you know my drivers can't drive, at least they're eligible for unemployment because they're W-2s, okay? And you, know, you can't be responsible for an independent contractor. They're a contractor for a reason um, as a business owner. Um, but at least you're not having to worry about paying all these debts and stuff like that. So, um, you know, there's there's a lot of blame to be had here and fingers to be pointed, but, you know, it is what it is. Stock market is the exact same way, okay? When the market goes up or the market goes down, you know, people will be pissed off saying, well, this person said it was going to spike up. You know, we saw it with Bitcoin and all other kinds of other um, cryptocurrency and crap like that. But at the end of the day, there are a multitude of factors that will influence the increase or decrease in the price, but mainly it comes down to supply and demand when it comes to transportation, okay? There's not enough freight right now to cover all of the trucks that are out there looking for freight. So naturally, your capacity is is way higher than it needs to be right now, right? And again, it'll level out in the future, but right now it's way too high for the volume of demand to ship stuff. So therefore, prices are going to go down, all right? And I get it. People are saying, well, yeah, I know rates are low, but the brokers are you know deflating them on their own because they're trying to still make a margin. I'm not going to get into that specifically, but if you're a broker and you want to handle all this bashing, um, there are things that you can easily do and be educated on to make sure that you're not subject to all this stuff. 
Okay. The best thing to do is definitely not start fighting back with somebody, but have your own knowledge, be educated on this stuff, have the information, have the data, try to talk to good carriers and good relationships that you have and level with them. Talk about this kind of stuff right here. Talk about the supply, talk about the demand, right? You don't have to call them out on their errors and why they're trying to point fingers at you, but at least be realistic with them and and try to level with them because they're hurting right now. All right. So what is the actual problem that we're seeing right now? Obviously, it's a lack of freight. Open the economy and that will change. Okay. For example, phase one, manufacturing jobs, that'll solve a lot of the problem we're seeing right now. All right. Too much capacity. We already hit on that. Misinformation. I see people saying left and right on social media that um, the DAT and truck stop rates are not accurate and CAS is lying and this and that. This is all, I mean, this, it's like it's like economics. People are speculating. There's There's information reported as it becomes available. It could be totally irrelevant. 30 seconds after that. So make sure you know when the information was released. Make sure it's a credible source, not just some Joe Schmo Johnny six-pack down the road that just making stuff up and posting it online. All right. Now the whole price fixing thing, no, I totally disagree with you that on that part, right? People are carriers are saying that, oh, uh, you know, they're they're fixing prices here. These these brokers are they're trying to cooperate with one another and, and get in bed together and try to screw all of us carriers over. If you're a broker and you're hearing that stuff. It's a simple no, right? Here's an example you can give, and it can be very broad. Has there ever been a point in your past when you decided to get in bed with another broker and try to just schmooze left and right and get business with them? Um, unless it's a you know like a bid on type of co-op, probably not. Brokerage as you know as it is already and has been in the past is already way too competitive. I talked about last week the 95% failure rate in the first 6 months. You're telling me that's not a competitive market? You're out of your mind if you if you don't think so. Okay, so it's not happening. There's no price fixing. It is way too competitive of an industry as it already stands. So what are you going to do now, right? If you're a broker, you can simply be honest, transparent, have good market data, Try to help carriers out. Maybe try to work out their backhaul, their next their next lane for them. Reward good service from good carriers with good rates, right? Maybe there's a fine that goes in there from your customer. Absorb it. Absorb it yourself. Take care of that carrier because this stuff will will help you leaps and bounds down the road. Okay, and again ride the wave. I've talked about this. I talked about it six months ago before coronavirus is even a thing. There's going to be ups and downs in the industry. You have to ride the wave. They always say, I think it was, uh, I don't know, one of the one of the big business owners um, said, you know, you'll you'll always know who is skinny dipping when the tide comes in or when the tide goes out or whatever it is, right? Because you'll, you'll see who's naked, right? So the same thing goes when companies or whether it's a brokerage or a trucking company or any kind of, of business in this situation, when times got bad and they couldn't stand and they couldn't get through this or whether the storm, they couldn't ride the wave, they went under. You can always tell because they weren't properly ready for all this stuff that could happen. And guess what? This is not the last time that our economy is going to take a downturn, and especially transportation. I will say, hopefully, it's the last time in our lifetime that we're going to see a pandemic like this because I think we'll learn a lot given that's 2020 now. A lot of lessons learned from this kind of thing. But ride the wave, be ready for it, expect it next time. But in the meantime, like I said before, be honest. Be honest with your carriers. You can let them know that, hey, you know, I'm only making X amount on this. If you want to do that, you don't have to be specific that much on it. But you could say that we're taking a hit or, hey, I, you know, I will, uh, I'll contract you, 
you know, throughout the next three months as the market goes back up, we're going to take care of you or whatever, whatever. Uh, there's all kinds of stuff you can do, right? With too much capacity and not enough freight, if a broker can get a carrier locked on to the next three weeks worth of loads, you know, good service gets rewarded with good pay and that's a good relationship overall. So, um, you know, there's no perfect fix here. We would just want to open the country back up, but things to do is just, you know, be kind, be a mindful person. Think about, you know, putting yourself in that carrier shoes. What are they dealing with right now? Just like there's 95% of, you know, turnover and brokerage and there's a bunch of idiots out there. There's also idiots that slip through the cracks and carriers on the carrier side, you know, just check out the amount of, MC authorities that were requested, you know, at any given time, like last week or last month, whatever, look at new brokerage versus new carrier. There are so many people applying for authorities right now. It's ridiculous. There's no, there's not even any freight. It's like probably the worst week in freight we've had in, you know, God knows how long and people are applying faster now to hop in the business than before. It's insane. Um, all right. So what's next? When will the market reopen? I honestly don't know. Um, states are doing it. Little by little, small, you know, little onesies, twosies, one at a time. Um, I think that once you hit this first phase and you start seeing manufacturing jobs reopen, that is going to solve a ton of problems. Freight will start moving again. You're going to see a surge, honestly, because you've got people at home right now that can't get certain products that have been waiting months and months and months to get them. But ultimately, just like all things, this will end. Freight will move again and a rebound will happen. You'll see the rates go way back up. You'll see fuel prices go way back up. You'll see the demand go way back up. That capacity is going to shrink. You might even see a capacity crisis like we did a couple years back. So just be mindful. If you're a carrier, be smart. Don't make the same mistakes you made two years ago when this influx happens again. So broker bashing, it's going to happen. My big takeaways, know your information. Be kind. Be nice about it. You know, paint that bright picture of the future. What's it going to look like? You know, build those relationships now. If you can build a relationship that is sound in a tough economic and tough, stressful time, how strong do you think it's going to be when times are good? That much better. Okay, enough on that. We'll see how the next couple of weeks pan out. Anyway, some quick trending social media, what's happening on the interwebs. I got two questions here. Roy says, I took a load from a non-licensed broker that had no bond. What do I do now? Uh, well, that is a scary situation, Roy, because just as it was illegal for them to do that, it was also illegal for you to be part of that transaction. Uh, what I would recommend, what what can you do now? Probably nothing, honestly. I mean, you could spend money on a lawyer, uh, but you can't file on their bond because they don't have one. They're not licensed, so they're not going to fall to the same uh, standards that everybody else that is licensed would be. Um... I would say in the future, do your research, look up their MC number, DOT number, look at some reviews, get some references. One of the things I've seen in the past with companies is make three shipper references from a, you know, or, you know, if you're using a broker, you know, use three shipper references or three other carrier references or whatever the case might be to get a good word of mouth on this broker that you're using. Or if you're a broker, same thing with the carrier. Um, what can you do now, though, Roy? Really not a whole lot, unfortunately. Um, like I said, you could probably spend money on a lawyer. Um, that's messy. I'm not an expert in what to do in that situation, so I'm not going to dig too deep into it. Next question comes from Julie. Julie says, I'm looking to get into LTL. How do these loads work? This is a great question. Uh, I would say with LTL, it's very 
very different from truckload in the fact that capacity is not free market like you might see with you know the spot market in full truckload. Okay, it's not load boards and stuff like that. With LTL, you've got set rates or uh, tariffs. You might hear them called, um, and different LTL carriers might offer specific quote discounts unquote, uh, which are really you know they're kind of bogus. I worked in LTL for a number of years before, and you know some would say, well, I get a seventy percent discount through YRC. What can I get through Conway? Um, you know, you could say I get you, I'll get you an eighty percent discount. You know, versus their seventy percent, but discount off of what? What's that baseline? At the end of the day, LTL usually goes down to if you, if at least if you can get a carrier that's going to be reliable and have a good. Um, claims rate and good shipment on time delivery, stuff like that. Um, it's going to come down to price. It's very, very price driven. And if you can keep it hands off for the customer, um, it's great, right? So with LTL, what, I, what I'd say is just like anyone who wants to know how, how do I get into brokerage, if you want to get into LTL, learn from someone who's already doing it. Don't just do your research and hop right into it. Talk to someone who's already doing it. Try to work with them. Maybe if you get some LTL requests from one of your existing customers, which is a great way to get into LTL, try to work side by side with another broker that you know or a colleague or a mentor or somebody in the industry that's trustworthy. Ask for their assistance and their help and feedback. Throw them a bone for it. And that's going to help get you that experience that you need to learn it because there's all kinds of reway issues, reclassifications, accessorial charges, you know, what happens if it doesn't deliver on time, you know, what happens if, you know, the forklift stabs a pallet with, you know, the, you know, the, the tongs on, or tines on it, um, what happens if it gets lost, if there's some shortage, overage, you name it, there are, you know, all kinds of crap that goes on with LTL. It's a great market. The margins are really, really good. Um, there are some great carriers out there. There's also some really, really crappy carriers out there. So um, learn by working with somebody else who's already doing it and get to learn it on your own. But I would definitely, I would encourage you to get into it. But if you're brand new in brokerage, definitely, you know, probably stay away from it until you're ready to, you know, go under somebody else's wing. But great question, Julie. Um, you know, LTL would probably be a great episode to have by itself. So I might write that one down here. Um, final thoughts here. So with all the craziness happening, you know, hang in there. Everyone is, is going a little crazy here, getting stir crazy. We haven't been able to go out and, you know, go to a sports game or, um, you know, have a drink at a bar with a buddy or a friend or go have dinner with your spouse or, you know, anything like that, right? Life is different compared to how we've ever seen it before. Okay. The new norm might be completely different from what we've seen in the past. We don't know yet. But if we can all at least be kind and thoughtful when it comes to treating one another with respect, I think we'll all get through this a lot better together. So that is my overall final thoughts on what's happening right now. As a sports interlude here, NFL released all sorts of schedules out there, right? We already knew who was going to play who, but now we know the dates, uh, possible flexes, times, um, all that good stuff. So that being said, um, I am really excited to see, and for all the Patriots fans out there that have hated me in the past, I'm excited to see Tom Brady on the Buccaneers now, right? Opening week, you've got Drew Brees going up against Tom Brady, Buccaneers against St. Or I'm sorry, against uh, New Orleans, the Saints. Uh, it's going to be exciting. I'll be honest. Considering that the only time Buffalo would play Tom Brady this year would be if we play them in the Super Bowl in Tampa Bay, 
you know, I might uh, I might have to follow Tom Brady and the Bucks this year a little bit closer because I've always been a Gronk fan, especially if, since he's from Western New York. But, um, you know, we got some exciting stuff coming up there. The uh, baseball is looking at some alternative ways to start the start the season in the summertime. Um, you've got other stuff. Like, I think the AHL shut stuff down. We know the XFL just totally closed their doors indefinitely. Um, I'm excited to see stuff start to reopen, sports getting back out there. I mean, they're finding really creative ways to make national stuff happen. Like, even some of those, uh, I don't remember the names of them, but like the, the shows on TV where they, they sing and they compete and all that, they're doing it virtually and remotely now. Um, I would hate to see NFL become a non-spectator type of situation. For example... The Bills are playing uh, the Raiders in Vegas, and the next week they're playing the Titans in uh, Nashville. I would hate to see a game happen with no fans there. It would be because I mean those are two great locations to go watch a football game, especially if you're a Bills fan. You know the weather sucks in Buffalo, especially in the fall. Um, love to get to Vegas, get to the desert there. You know, spend the roulette wheel, play some blackjack, and watch the the Bills just dominate in the uh, the new stadium there. Same with the Titans. Been a nice long rival there, back and forth over the years. Um, you know, so that being said, I would I would hate to see an NFL where there's no fans there. Because think about this. Orchard Park, New York, home of the Buffalo Bills, right? New Era Field used to be Ralph Wilson Stadium. All right, so imagine going there as a Bills fan and not being, you know, or imagine watching a game on TV and not having anyone there cheering them on, hearing that roar. You could drive down Abbott Road past the stadium and hear the roar of the stadium when the Bills have something crazy go on, right? Maybe they'll have just socially distanced tailgates outside of the stadium on private lots. I have no idea. I would just love to see the country reopen. We all get through the, the next second wave of coronavirus, you know, with minimal risk and minimal um, deaths and illnesses and things like that. And just get us back to normal, right? We all need something to root for and something to strive for. And sports is a big part of that. So um, hopefully we can all get back there soon. And um, I'm looking forward to see what happens with training camp coming up and, um, you know, all kinds of other good stuff with sports in the NFL. So until next week, go Bills. The Bills make me wanna shout. That wraps up this episode of the Midnight Freight Broker Podcast. Thanks for joining me. Make sure to check out the show notes for links to the articles that I discussed today. Make sure to add me on LinkedIn and send me a message with what you want to hear on future episodes. Make sure to subscribe, like, and follow me and leave a review. See you on the next episode. Go Bills. Come on, come on.